joining Analytics Today, a podcast series that focuses on big data and analytics and the latest trends in the digital world. I am your co-host, Jeremy Roberts, and with me always is Samir Khan. What's up? Hey, Jeremy. How's it going? Good. You? Yeah. Very good. It's uh, um, almost spring break. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Next week, spring break. <laughs> you know, a lot of people already starting to take some time off and oh yeah, kind of the early year break, the first early year break. So that's before summer kicks in. So that's great. Well, the thing is about spring break, um, you know, it's family stuff. But when it comes to spring break, usually in the digital and the marketing world, it's where, you know, yes, you've been given your budgets and you've been told exactly what to spend on and you're going out there and you're making your decisions, right? A lot of people are closing on technology decisions now, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, like, you you, you probably approved your budget back, um, what, uh, Q4, Q4 of last year? Q4 of last year, yeah. Right? And then you spent uh, the first two months going through, you know, vendor evaluations, RFPs, you know, demos and conversations, and you're just trying to get everything figured out. And now you're at the thing to say, okay, there's so many tools out there. What's going on? And so I think with that experience, you and I today are going to discuss really in 2019, what are the top 2019 marketing technologies and the digital trends happening? So as you're in this process now, it may be a little bit too late for you, too bad, but you can also have this chance to look back and say, ah, what are some of the top tools out there? Yeah, and I think it's also important as people evaluate, you know, the first quarter is about to end shortly. So now with all the excitement for 2019, uh, at least the first part of the excitement is it's completed and now people are evaluating like, okay, how did we do in Q1 and yeah. what things we need to improve upon in Q2. So this is the perfect timing when we talk about what's going on, the marketing technology trend, MarTech's coming up uh, very, very quickly, uh, what digital trends are happening. So I think it's a very relevant information for people to start utilizing and start doing some uh, optimization for their technologies, for their marketing budget and advertisement. So I think it's perfect. Sweet. Okay, so today um, we're going to be talking, the topic is top 2019 marketing technology and digital trends and the source from what Samir has been able to pull. Um, The source of today's podcast research is called the 2019 State of Content Marketing Report by Brafton Content Creation Service. Correct, right? Yep, that's it. So shout out for Brafton. Great the work they have done in the research for the 2019 State of the Content Marketing Report. And so we're going to uh, drill down into the specifics. We're going to talk about the more details about what those things are, how do they impact you, and then we're going to go take some of the uh, research work that they have done and throw some numbers out. Sweet. Cool. So first we're going to start with the top CMS platform, content management system platform. So a lot of people who, who you know, what we always emphasize in our podcast and also in, in, in the trainings that we do personally is you got to understand the jargon. You got to understand what the acronyms mean, because if you don't, you're going to be that person in the conversation where they're going to say, Hey, CMS. And you're going to say, yeah, my CMS is great, but you're going to have no idea what they're talking about. So (laughs) CMS, right? Content management system. I guess in, in your words, um, what is a content management system? Sure. It's a content management system. Management system. It's a kind of an infrastructure where you host your web content, and this specifically pertains to the customer-facing web content. So your websites, the asset that you store in the website, like your uh, white papers, your 
your digital assets, digital assets, all of the digital assets, um, your web pages. uh, So all of that is hosted in a platform and that platform is called CMS. Exactly. So, so with that, you know, when you get into some of the bigger brand names out there, like Adobe, which I'm, I'm more familiar with the, you know, Adobe all obviously has something called Adobe experience manager, mm-hmm. right? With Adobe experience manager, you have um, these tools, these massive tools that are divided up into multiple parts. You have a sites component, right? You have an assets component and you have other different components within that. But a lot of times when we look at the highest percentage of just, regular CMS platforms that the average person uses, right? You have, uh, you know, there's names out there that, that combine these two things together, right? The, the whole yeah. idea of having sites and assets where you're, you're managing all your content, it's not super complicated, right? You don't have to have governance and taxonomy and process and rules behind those things. It's basically you open up your media folder and you click on it and you select and you add it to your website. You know, it's something yep. as simple as that. So um, I guess, how do you want to start here? Do you want to go through the percentage or, or what would you like to do? Yeah, no, I think it's, it's great that you mentioned. So I think the where I see the CMS platforms, they fall into kind of two different categories. Like one mm-hmm. is your open source, freely available, highly customizable. And then you have the premium, which is like the Adobe's of the world, right? So they have a pretty complex uh, robust content management system with all the bells and whistles and features that you can yeah. pay a lot of money and you can buy. And uh, that's mainly for the enterprise organizations. Yes. Uh, on the other side, uh, the if you look at the volume in, in terms of the number of users using a specific content management system, then, you know, the names that pop up in my mind is like WordPress, like 52% yes. coverage and 52% market share, I would say, in terms of the CMS platform is the largest CMS platform. It's open source. Anyone can download and implement and build the website really quickly. There's a lot of variety of templates available, uh, uh, followed by Wix. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so, uh, so actually, let me let me let me explain this too. So there's a yeah. big difference when you talk about these open source CMSs versus there's characteristics of each between the open source ones that are. Um, you know, very like WordPress and Wix and Joomla and all these other ones. And then the big boys out there, right? You know, the Sitecore, the AEM from Adobe and all that other stuff. The difference is, is that the big ones from the big boys out there, a lot of those have, uh, like we talked about, governance, has processes in there, it has a lot of security. So it allows you to be able to use these across different divisions. Mm-hmm. So the big difference is one user versus tons of users, Right. Usually with WordPress and so on, it's usually a primary user, right? You have an admin and there's like one person that manages it. On the other side, you've got a ton of people that can access these things, but everybody can control different parts. The second thing that I think that makes some difference, and we talked about this in our last podcast, was AI, right? Most of the big enterprise level CMS platforms have AI built into them. And so, you know, when you're sitting there saying, I'm going to go into my WordPress blog and I want to add in tags and stuff or alt text into things. Most of these huge enterprise ones will have automated tagging. will have automated features based on AI and machine learning. Yeah. That's, so very that's well one of the big, huge components. So let, let, let's go through this list. So we, you sort of first talked about WordPress, I guess for you and your experience, what makes WordPress with a 52% market share, right? Right. What makes them so fantastic? 
I think it's one of the foremost and it was one of the three places uh, is really allowed WordPress to grow significantly because there is a huge plugins, but also templates. You design the website, and shiny on place that in app because of the open it's very similar to what Android or uh, the mobile we're platform to, right we're gonna have to pause and start that one again oh, and I'll start again from the question because as you started talking about the WordPress one I could hear like one out of every 20 words like I can't hear you right now Technical, you can't hear me now? No. Say again? I can hear now. Say one more time. Can you hear me now? Kind of. Go say it again. Test. Uh, Hello? How's it recording? It's recording now. Okay, Samir, so, you know, of the top different CMS platforms you have out there, you know, one of the biggest ones out there is is really WordPress. And it, within this report, they talk about 52% uh, for WordPress others. So I guess, what is your take? How do you feel about WordPress? Or I guess, in your mind, what makes WordPress fantastic? Because if 52% are using it compared to others, there's got to be something to it. Yeah, I think WordPress, the way they changed the game from a CMS standpoint is by offering an open source solution that was uh, adopted very quickly because it was backed by a marketplace and a community. So if you think about it, like WordPress has a marketplace for their plugins, they have marketplace for their templates, and also the larger community, which is outside of the marketplace, are also developing plugins and templates to use for your website. So because of the hundreds of thousands of people now supporting this large community, uh, it has completely changed the way uh, how CMS can be. And I, and I think it is, in a way, responsible for the tremendous growth in the Internet because everyone is now able to go and create beautiful websites with all the bells and whistles without spending a dime on any kind of uh, CMS platform. So that's, I feel like it's, it is very similar to like Android, you know, and what Android did for mobile phones. It's what WordPress, before even Android existed, uh, WordPress did for the website and internet. I really do think it is. I, I really believe that the creation of WordPress really was the catalyst in growth for small business, individual sites and, you know, consultants and, you know, restaurants and, and just regular people you know, rather than these, the, these enterprise behemoth sites and just uh, WordPress changed the game, you know, and, and it's continuing to change the game. It, it's just one of those places to where it, it's allowed the creation for the next ones that we're talking about. So up next is Wix, you know, both you and I are, you know, we're fans of Wix. Wix is, it's, it's obviously there's uh, limitations to its customizations, but just the ease of use to be able to use something like Wix, you know. So we have what, Wix at 7%, 
uh, Joomla at 4%, and you have a Progress Sitefinity, um, 4% Squarespace, 4%, and others at 29%. So I guess when it comes down to it, you know, I, I do know the big difference between WordPress and Wix is Wix is more of like a drag and drop. You know, you have you can have zero technical skills, zero development skills to be able to use Wix and be effective. WordPress takes a little bit more of that. So I guess, what would you recommend to people on how to get started? Yeah, I think my recommendation is with, uh, so there are two ways to think about it. Like if you have a little bit of time and you can spend time, more uh, money to hire mm -hmm. someone who knows how to work things in WordPress, uh, I would suggest to go with WordPress because there is just so much available outside of, uh, you know, everywhere there's so much available in terms of WordPress, the community support, the templates, the plugins, all the other options. But if you are running out of time and you just want to, you're busy and you just want to have something set up really quickly, then Vix is a great option where you can take one of their templates and just press a button and there you go, you have a website. Uh, I agree. I've, I've had instances where, you, have, you know, if you're a decent sized company and if you have Joomla developers, then um, having a Joomla platform for your CMS doesn't hurt either. But from a growth standpoint and where um, technology is heading, you know, I would stick with WordPress or Wix. I agree. I agree. And so let's say you wanted to build something overnight for a friend, for a business. I would say recommend go with Wix real quick if you don't yeah. have time. Um, WordPress, you would be able to sit there, go in, create themes and so on and pull in all these plugins. There's thousands, <laughs> thousands of plugins out there. But both of them, I, I believe the top two, um, just because of the higher percentages, both have the ability to have SEO friendly websites. And there's no complaints here about putting a website on there and getting to the first page of Google. So that's my take on that. Cool. So yep, let's go to number two. Cool. So number two is e-commerce platforms by total online sales. Whoa. <laughs> so I can see the numbers here. It's, a, it's not the M, but it's the B. There's a giant B. <laughs> B is in boy or Bob <laughs> B, right? After all these. So number one there is uh, one that I'm more familiar with, uh, good old Magento, right? At 36 billion in total online sales. So when this number is total online sales, it's, it's not that, is it the number of how much has been sold through these or is it how much people have? Yeah. Okay. Just how to make sure for our audience. Through this platform. Yeah. Because I don't want our yeah, audience so to think Magento sold $36 billion worth of. <laughs> no, it's how much process how much e-commerce processing have been conducted through the Magento platform. Okay. So, so for our audience yeah. too, and what we like to do is educate, um, why would it be important to understand or why is it important for these types of companies to be tracking online sales? Is that how they do the pricing? Uh, not necessarily the pricing. Um, I think more importantly, the, uh, if you look at the e-commerce infrastructure like outside of the behemoth, which is Amazon, uh, you know, so outside of the companies that have their own sophisticated platforms and they may or may not be using a third party platform like Magento. When you look at what options do I have and who has the most experience. So when you look at the experience of these e-commerce platforms, that is normally measured in the terms of the amount of online sales. And that's the reason why, you know, Magento is on the top because they have a lot of experience. They have delivered about $36 billion in sales for their customers through their platform. 
Exactly. And then you, and then the, the, the other thing, and I, and I will note this as a kind of a slight difference on that is I've seen personally in some type of enterprise level pricing, and, and I'm assuming not everybody here in this, that's listening to this podcast is a, you know, an enterprise level marketer where you're having to deal with this because if you're a marketing person, you're, you're not actually buying these. So you have procurement and other people doing it, but some of that pricing could be based on how much sales you do. Right. So if your yep. company does X number of dollars of e-commerce sales, exactly. they may price it a little bit different. So they're tracking it through that. So, so we have Magento is 36 billion. Next one is Shopify, 29 billion, right? Volusion at 24, Squarespace at 17.4 and Seller Deck at 15. So I guess from these, you know, what do you like about, I guess, Magento? You and I have both worked with Magento in our past, but what, what, what do you guys, what do you like about Magento versus Shopify? Because I always feel like small businesses, they say, yeah, build a free Shopify account. It's easy. Okay, what is your take? Yeah, I think Shopify, yeah, Shopify is very, very popular for people who are selling uh, at a smaller scale. Uh, although the volume, uh, if you look at it, it's very, very close to Magento. So, uh, I think Magento hits the target for the larger enterprises where they want uh, the enterprise-level security, enterprise-level support, a stable infrastructure. Now they are being acquired by Adobe, so that makes you know the brand uh, is significantly bigger now uh, with the, that uh, collaboration. With Shopify, it's a tried and tested system. A lot of people who sell online on Adobe, on Amazon, on eBay, and all these different marketplaces for them to have their own store so they can people come back and buy more from them. Shopify, Volusion, and all these smaller players are great. And that's the reason why the adoption is huge because Magento, where it targets enterprise users, uh, they still generate a lot of sales. But all of the other folks, which are not necessarily thinking about paying a huge amount of dollars to a large enterprise company, they can go with Shopify or Volusion. Not saying that Volusion and Shopify do not have enterprise customers. They also have a lot of enterprise customers, but you know, kind of the leader in the pack is Magento. Makes sense. Makes sense, yeah. So cool. Let's uh, start looking at number three. So number three is marketing automation. This is another one you and I get excited about too. So, so marketing automation, um, and I guess what you have here is this definition, and we can go into more detail around it. But market automation is used for various business processes, we're talking about CRM, lead management, workflow rules, email marketing. What I'd also like to add in there is this idea around life cycle management, right? It, it's, it's a term that I've been using recently with regards to automation. So I guess in, in your mind, how would you describe to the layperson really the value around automation? Marketing automation is uh, it's kind of a, it's funny that you asked that the whole terminology has evolved from simple core, your good old email marketing. Uh, and the way it has evolved is email marketing is all about sending email message to a bunch of people so you, they can buy your product. Versus marketing automation is simply what the name states is automating marketing efforts through email, through processes, through workflows. Um, so that's how the concept of marketing automation has evolved. And now it's no longer marketing automation. Now it's like marketing operations uh, because marketing automation is one of the piece of the puzzle. And as you were saying, now it's going through further down the evolution chain of life cycle management. So with that said, I think there are two parts. Like one is before it was completely manual, like people used to send emails by click of a button. Then when marketing automation came into existence, 
you can program emails and send them as per your desires and move people between different email streams and all the fun stuff. Where it's heading is towards AI, where you don't even have to do anything. And the system itself, based on predefined criteria, will start sending people emails and it will evolve and see which email campaign works, which does not work. So the human intervention is slowly going away in, in a way, so then it's becoming more and more automated. I, I completely agree. And, and so it's one of those things we're looking at a fact that's in there is that 60% of B2B orgs plan to incorporate more automation. So the thing is, it's not like, the, and so it might kind of be a misleading fact in the fact that some people are doing some automation, some people are doing zero automation. But what we're trying to show here is that more than half of people think that automation, more automation needs to happen, right? Because there's so many benefits yeah. to it. You know, I guess, I guess what, yeah, what would you absolutely. say are the top benefits for, you, for automation? Well, from my perspective, it's the first benefit is you, you know, with the automation you get is you improve your targeting of your email. So instead of sending a mass blast email to every single person on the planet, you can target a specific audience group and make sure your message resonates with them. So what happens is not only you get better return on your investment, but mm -hmm. also you deliver better customer experience because your customers may not want to uh, see ad from Macy's uh, women's shoes if they're mostly interested in a boot, a men's boot. Yep. So it's kind of a difference. So same thing. Like, And then the other thing that you get from it is uh, delivering a higher quality lead. So because of the automation in place, because of the workflows, you improve the lead quality because you only do qualification with the customers that will meet the criteria that you want them to. You don't want people who are not qualified for the product. So when the sales teams get the lead, these leads are, these leads are qualified and the conversions are better. Completely agree. Cool. So it's one of those things to where when you look at it, you know, some of the big top automation platforms out there. So obviously we understand there's, there's the big boys, right? There's, um, the Oracle Marketing Cloud, which is AKA what Eloqua, right? Then you have Marketo, yeah. which is um, soon or eventually going to be officially named or renamed um, at Adobe because Adobe purchased it. But there's also, you know, MailChimp, HubSpot, GetResponse, you know, Infusionsoft. And the thing is, they're, they're all great tools. It just depends on what you're looking for, you know, because when, when you look at automation, there's there's different levels of automation, right? Automation, most of them allow for good targeting and great customer experience. A lot of them do lead quality and lead capture. Some of them where they really start to differentiate themselves is what we call ABM or account-based marketing. And that is a huge differentiator between marketing and automation platforms. When you get into account-based marketing, I mean, this is one of the big modules that could even be up to 30% more of the cost or value of that purchase you know, for the subscription model that you're going to be purchasing. And that's a big one. The other one is AI. Remember how we talked about AI is really involved with everything. Some of these tools, you know, like, for example, Marketo has a whole bunch of AI features built in there where it does things through automation and, and machine learning. But then when you get into HubSpot, much easier to onboard, right? You can get into HubSpot and actually get stuff done today. There's really not a lot of setup. You can get stuff today and you can build it up to a certain threshold in your business. And afterwards, maybe you might grow out of it. So a lot of times we've seen companies, you and I've seen companies where they'll start with MailChimp, very, very small business, one to two people, right? MailChimp. After that, then they move into probably HubSpot. 
And then from HubSpot, they outgrow HubSpot and they usually go to Marketo. So yeah. that's a... Yeah, I think it also depends on the sophistication. Uh, I think what I like about HubSpot is, like you said, the ease of use. Uh, you can do things there to relatively quicker. But if you want to make things, uh, if, if you want to do more complex things, then Marketo is definitely the place to go. And the Salesforce have their own Pardot uh, uh, marketing automation platform. So yeah, so there's a there's a lots of choices when it comes to marketing automation, and I think uh, one of the ones that latest one that I like, which is Drip, uh, Drip campaign, is becoming popular, uh, and a lot of people are adopting it because again the ease of operation and the feature functionality uh, compared to the complexity of Marketo, it's like a lot of people are choosing Drip as well. There's only seven thousand plus softwares out there. Marketing technologies. <laughs> yeah. That's it? Well, let's see what 2019 uh, MarTech uh, landscape looks like you know, in the upcoming MarTech conference. It's going to be two I pages. It's like First two pages, three pages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, okay, here, here's another one. So um, not to get confused, and number one, we talked about CMS, right? This number five, um, actually, you know what? Uh, let me get back to number four before we know CMS. This next one. So number four, before I miss that one. So social media marketing, right? So social media marketing, these are social media platforms that allow you to actually do marketing around it. So a lot of times people say, well, what do you mean social media marketing? Well, the social media itself, the site would be Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, those fun stuff. When we talk about marketing, these are the acts to be able to do B2B style um, marketing or even B2C style marketing through these different channels. So it allows you to do marketing around them rather than saying, I'm just going to send something to my friends. Yay. Right. So I guess what are some examples of these, of these tools that we're talking about? Yeah, we're talking about platforms where you can manage your programs uh, in a more professional way. Now, like you said, each of these platforms, i.e. Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, they have some management capability where you can do some scheduling of updates and so on and so forth. But if you want to take it to the next level, then platforms like Hootsuite, Buffer, Sprout Social, Sprinkler, these are the platforms where you can develop a sophisticated uh, market, social media marketing programs where you can send targeted messages, define your audience, run advertisement programs, and do a whole lot more than you can do on the individual platform itself. Nice, nice. And so when you look at the top ones out there, you know, Hootsuite obviously comes in. So software by number of users, Hootsuite comes in around 2.1 million users, which is a little bit insane there, right? Um, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Like I, I remember like the early days, Hootsuite had just launched and we were in Rackspace back then, right? Yeah. And yeah. now it's like 2.1 million users, wow. Yeah, but here's the thing is that Hootsuite has done a, a I'm going to use the word brilliant. They've used a brilliant job of building out connectivity and APIs that can connect to anything. And that's why people use Hootsuite so much because it connects. I mean, I'm going to like challenge you. Find something that Hootsuite, find something of value, right? Don't find something random just to prove Samir and I wrong, right? But <laughs> find something that Hootsuite doesn't connect to. You can't find something. It doesn't exist. They're connected to everything out there. Yeah, um, it's pretty amazing. After that is Buffer. I, I'm a big fan of Buffer. I know, Samir, you, you actively use Buffer. Um, Buffer is yes. that kind of tool that allows you to schedule, put your post out there. Anybody could use it. 
anybody can use it. It's a fantastic tool. This one comes out around almost a million users. Then you've got Sprout Social. You and I have both used Sprout Social in our past. Um, Sprinkler, Status Brew. So, you know, a lot of great tools. <coughs> so it's one of those things to where, I guess, where do you get started, right? If you were to get started and you're say, what do I need to do? I, I And this is my personal thought. And tell me if you agree. If you just want to schedule posts, if you want to go out there and you're a personal person, whatever you want to do, and you want to go out there, schedule posts because you're trying to build yourself as a thought leader, do you need to go out and get Hootsuite or is something like Buffer easier for you? Uh, I think that's debatable, right? I would go either one. Uh, they're both good. They're both really designed well. Uh, what I like about Hootsuite uh, over Buffer is they have improved a lot in terms of feature functionality and what's available to you in terms of integration and the number of posts you can schedule. Buffer, you have a limit of uh, 10 schedules at one time. For the free. Suite, you don't have the limit for free. Yeah, and then yeah. if you upgrade it, then you have more. Uh, but then Hootsuite gives you a lot more upfront, and you upgrade, you get more. So uh, right now I'm on the premium version of Hootsuite, which gives me a lot more functionality. I can connect more social media platforms. I can have even more updates. Uh, so yeah, I've started Hootsuite lately. Nice. I, I completely agree. And so I would say, getting the practice of this, this is something to where, you know, you're able to really take the time out, spend an hour one one day out of the, the whole week, an hour out of one day out of the whole week, just set up all your stuff for the week or for the next two weeks and just let it go. And that way you don't have to sit there and, oh my gosh, I forgot to post. It's almost noon. I need to go and post because my, my followers, your followers, right? <laughs> Haven't got my stuff yet, so I'm panicking. Don't worry about that. Go to lunch. Enjoy your life. You know what I mean? Don't worry about whether your post went out. <laughs> so, okay, so next one. We talked about this. The first one we talked about, CMS, number five is CRM, Customer Relationship Management, correct? Or manager. So, so CRM, everybody knows. If I were to say CRM, they basically have this um, in, in their publicly traded, uh, their little the moniker as a publicly traded company, Salesforce, right? So we all know, right? So there's what, Zoho. SAP, Salesforce, Oracle Cloud, and Microsoft Dynamics. And everybody would probably say Salesforce has the highest number of users at 7 million. But from what Samir is telling us is that Zoho, right, he said 20 million? I can't hear you. We got to stop again. Uh, there's a free version that's actually available. I was talking to mute. <laughs> Okay. Uh, okay cool. So, uh, yeah. So that's the reason why Zoho has more users. Uh, but if you think about it from a premium standpoint, like SAP, Salesforce, Oracle Cloud, Microsoft, they're neck to neck with each other. Uh, although, like Salesforce leads the pack in terms of the brand. Yeah. Um, you know, we all know like Salesforce is the top CRM brand in the world. But in, when you start looking at the number of users using it. It's different. Like I think Mark Benioff has done a fantastic job in positioning Salesforce as the ultimate CRM, uh, he would say. And by, by people who are actually using the CRM system, the numbers look different. Okay. Very cool. So I guess it's one of those things to where you talk about Zoho. You and I have both used Zoho in our past, especially when we were doing some work together. Uh, I, I guess one of those... 
if you were to get started, would this be the number one place for you to go or that you would recommend people to go to? Say, go to Zoho, set this up, and how would they effectively be able to use this? Uh, I think Zoho is fairly easy to set up. If you're not doing anything complex, uh, you can go and start using Zoho, although I highly recommend people to use Salesforce. And the reason behind that is it's for, even for a smaller organization, it can be pretty cost effective. Uh, they don't charge you for, like, you know, they don't charge you thousands of dollars to try their system. The model, and that is one of the reasons why Salesforce is so successful, is because the model is based on individual seats, individual licenses. So they charge you, like, 30 bucks a month uh, for an individual base license. We can start a lot of feature functionality for your organization without having to carve out thousands of dollars as uh, others may charge. So that's, that the adoption is huge. And then you get so much more for that $30 a month versus, yeah. uh, you know, you want to pay a lot more money up front. I completely agree. Very cool. You know, and I'm a big fan of that too. It's one of those things to where I wouldn't recommend if you're a smaller shop to get into something like Salesforce. Salesforce is a, is a fantastic and amazing tool, but it's an absolute behemoth. Um, there is a learning you know, curve. It's one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Very high learning curve. The same as SAP, same as Microsoft Dynamics, all great tools. I've actually uh, had the fortune of using all five of these <laughs> in, in my past. And so when you're learning all five, you're like, oh my God, I have to learn another tool. Zoho is just easy. It's easy to use, easy to get started with. Cool. So let's go to the next one. Number six. So digital advertisement, right? So we talk about digital advertising, you're talking about total spend. And this is a little bit of a shocker. So total ad spend in the past year, more than $200 billion in a year on digital ad spend. I mean, okay, when you say digital ad spend, <laughs> that's a ton of money. Um, what are we talking about with regard to digital ad spend? Is this like social media or is this Google ads? I mean, what are we talking about here? Everything, everything that people spend right now in digital advertising that includes social ads, that includes Google ads, Facebook ads, uh, all of it, uh, display media, anything that you're spending on online advertisement, if that's covered under this. So yeah, you're absolutely right. The amount is significantly larger. And I don't know, like what I was trying to look for some type of a study that shows offline versus online ad spending and then is online already accelerating offline. Um, my gut thing tells me like it may be already ahead of on offline, but I don't know. Like that's something that I have to go look at. Yeah. And I completely agree with that. And I think one of the things that's important is, you know, I would say that, and I was talking to, you know, a few customers the other day about this is that a mature marketing department or a marketing division usually has a, usually a 60, 40% on average, right? 60, 40% split on organic versus paid, right? There's no company right. out there that's gonna be purely organic or purely paid, right? I know some people who sit up, go out there and they just promote, well, if you just don't worry about SEO, SEO is dead. And then I kind of laugh at them and then I look at them and I say, you really think, are people actually listening to you when you say this because you're saying SEO is dead? <laughs> and you wanna like smack them in the forehead and be like, come on, man, <laughs> you're crazy. I was like, yeah. so if you're telling me you only want to do paid, you're telling me it's like you want to go rent a house for the rest of your life so you can give money to somebody else without ever getting your own equity? That just sounds kind of dumb. So, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's a 60-40 split, but that's why we don't believe that 
this gr the growth or the amount of spend on digital advertisement is ever going to go down because you need it as an accelerator. You need it as a yeah, catalyst. Yeah, it's going to, in fact, continue to grow. Yeah. As more and more people uh, switch online. And I think the biggest part about the online is the fact that you can track it. Uh, you know, I've ran analytics across both online and offline analytics organizations. And it, the difficulty it is for you to track offline versus online is just enormous. So that makes it really easy for people to run their business online uh, because of the tracking capabilities. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's one of those things to where um, I don't know the percentage offhand, but I know there's a high correlation when you even we're going to talk about a Google, simple Google um searches whether it's in the SERP or not but there's a high correlation between uh, paid search and natural search so when you see a top organic listing and you see a paid listing on the same page there's a higher probability that somebody's gonna click and convert yeah so boom boom we solved something right <laughs> here we go number seven we got two more left number seven content marketing big fans of content marketing right Remember they used to say content is king? Well, today, yeah. Samir and I say data is king. So too bad. Sorry, content. But because um, <laughs> you know, we believe content is a type of data or, yeah, is a type of data. So, so total content marketing spend, here's another shocker, $400 billion annually. Holy crap. Let me read that again. <laughs> okay. So. Content marketing, total content marketing spent is $400 billion annually and $80 billion spent on SEO. What? Yeah, it's a lot of money being spent on SEO. Uh, significantly more. I wish more. I was a better and writer. That, Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and that includes like all the spend for creating content. That's also part of the, specifically for SEO, hiring people who do your site optimization uh, in uh, kind of your website updates to get you higher ranks on search engine. But yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. The amount of money that we're currently spending in content marketing is even higher than you're spending on ads, which makes sense double. because of double it, it. It's exactly it's double. And the reason behind that is because your organic conversion, which we're going to talk about later is, is higher than your paid conversion. Uh, so that's interesting to look at the dynamics of like, hey, why are we people spending so much on content? Because it makes sense. You, or you drive more from your organic channels than paid, and paid is more costly. That's a little bit insane. I'm just going to go with that. Little, <laughs> so, so there's two little things to go in there. So one of them says audio and visual content drives 64% of all content spend. What? Audio? Yeah, that's why we're on the podcast. <laughs> Holy crap. Audio. I mean, I'm just still shocked. We've read this before, but I'm still shocked. Right. So however, 40% don't measure ROI or don't know how to measure. So I'm going to say what again. Okay. So let, yeah. let, me, let me reframe how shocking this is. We first said the number 400 billion annually. You should be shocked there. Then we said um, of the 400 billion annually, then we said 64% of all that content spend is audio and visual. So 64% of 400 billion, that's 200 ish billion, right? Mm -hmm. Then we said, however, 40% of that 64 don't measure ROI or don't know how to measure it. What? Yeah. So uh, it's, it's interesting. 
I think it's a, it's kind of <laughs> there are two folds. Like one is it's really hard to measure the impact of the content because I don't think anyone has really cracked the code yeah. other than aligning it with SEO and then looking at the organic performance as a whole and attributing that to your content. So it's kind of an indirect measurement. But at the same time, the value you drive, so the way I think about the content measurement is the value. It not necessarily, you cannot measure it in terms of the revenue or the return on your marketing investment, like a true calculated metric, but you can definitely measure in terms of the value you're gonna drive uh, to, about your organization to the end user and what they're gonna think about you. So I would highly urge people to continue down the route of content marketing. That's the best way for you to dominate the market if you really take the uh, the efforts and the time to do it. Uh, but don't worry too much about the ROI because you may be scratching your head and trying to figure out how do you measure it. Exactly. And if you if you make the mistake of not being able to measure it and you remove it from the journey, you may have disrupted the entire buyer's journey and your sales are going to go, you know, so don't do that to yourself. Cool. Last one conversion trends. I'll let you have this one on your own. This is something I know you get excited about. You're a conversion trend kind of guy. So tell us about conversion trends. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, conversion, you know, by conversion, we mean is your conversion to sale. And there are different types of conversion. What I call is macro and micro conversion. Micro conversions are small steps, small milestones that users take to get to the larger milestone. Um, what we're talking about is the larger milestone when they purchase a product from you. Now, from a conversion rate standpoint, uh, the data that I found for this research uh, that was done by Brafton was very interesting. I always, in my, in my experience, I've always seen organic to have a higher conversion, organic channels like your direct traffic, organic traffic, and any other organic source to have a higher conversion. In their research, they apparently have organic as 2.35% on an aggregate and paid is paid search specifically 3.75. So that was very interesting to me. And they have display at 0.77%. Uh, so as you can see, like if you were to focus your attention on uh, what channels would you go, I would say organic and paid search are the best places to invest your time and efforts. Organic, you develop by content marketing. Paid, you develop by advertisement. And then display is the third of the list, which is the lowest conversion of all. And that is pretty uh, consistent with all the brands that we have worked with is display continues to lag behind. And where I feel like display plays a bigger role in lead generation, so it may not be a direct sales conversion, it also plays a bigger role in branding. So if you, I would definitely continue to urge people to invest in display, don't give up on display, that's the best place for you to generate a lot of awareness and a lot of leads from. I would also say the, the value of display is also in the indirect value. So make sure that you put your one-by-one -one pixel tracking on your display ads so that you can get not the click-through, which is up 0.7% on average, but the view-through. The view-through is the money-maker conversion metric there, right? You want to be able to yeah. say the impression was put out, boom, it tracked it, it put that conversion pixel on your computer. So when you finally went to the website, it then triggered that conversion pixel. It's like, wow, you saw my ad less than 30 days ago, and now you're on my website, boom, got it. So that's something yeah. that's going to be tracked more than anything else. So, and, and real fast, one thing to clarify, these conversion trends, and I don't know if you're able to see this in, in the document, was it 
conversion trends based on click from a organic to the next, or is it conversion from that to close? Or from like conversion to close, particularly, yeah. So okay. sale conversion. So if I were to say, hey Smear, I got a total amount of traffic at I'm gonna make up numbers, a thousand people. So I can estimate that based on average conversion my organic, it'll be two point three five percent of that total thousand reach that I have. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Fantastic. See, guys, we're all learning something new every day. So yay. Yay for us. Right? <laughs> We're all learning. Yep. Well, cool. This has been absolutely great. Um, we love love the feedback, love the um, you know the inputs and suggestions and stuff like that. And again, we thank you guys for listening and continue to support us over uh, three plus years of the Analytics Today podcast. You know. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, it's been a great uh, partnership here, and I and because of the support that we're getting from you guys, so continue to reach out. And if you have uh, any topics that you want to recommend us continue to provide us, uh, we'll try our best to include that in subsequent podcasts. And thank you very much, Jeremy. It's been fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, I know you live in Houston, but go Spurs. (laughs) (laughs) I go go my Spurs. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Well, thank you. And uh, check us out on, on our website, uh, analyticspodcasttoday.com. And if anything, reach out to Samir and I for questions. And we'll see you guys in the next